Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, we're beginning a brand new series today called Trash Talk. We're talking about the power of your words and the impact that your words have on your life. And a lot of us don't even realize the impact that our words are having, but they have some profound, profound impacts on each and every one of us. And I want to start today a little bit different. Uh, has anybody in here ever heard of a doctor named Ignaz Semmelweis? Anybody ever heard of that name? Not because you were here at a previous service, uh, like somebody here on the front row. They're like, oh yeah, I've heard that. You told that story. Um, there's a doctor uh, in the 1800s. He lived in Vienna. He was the doctor over two maternity wards at a hospital. And in this hospital where he was overseeing it, they, they had a maternity ward that, that delivered babies, that was delivering babies with midwives that were helping deliver the babies. And then there was a, a second maternity ward where doctors would deliver children with these mothers who were pregnant. And when he got to this hospital, there was this thing that was taking place in the clinic where the doctors were delivering the babies where mothers there were five times more likely to end up dying after giving birth from childbed fever. And if you're a hospital and your section of the hospital is causing a death five times greater than the other side, how many of you know that's, that's probably a problem at that hospital? And so he was trying to figure out, like, what is the difference between the midwives that are helping children be born and the mothers afterwards uh, not dying from childbed fever and the this clinic where the doctors are giving helping the mothers give birth and yet they're dying at this other rate and so he started studying the differences between these two clinics and he noticed in the midwives clinic when the mothers were giving birth they were having them lay on their sides to give birth and in the doctor's clinic they were giving birth laying on their backs. And so he thought, man, maybe that, that's the solution to solving this problem. So he went to the doctor and said, hey, you got to start having the mothers give birth on their sides. They did that. Nothing changed. So he realized, man, it's not how they're having the children. And, and so then he started noticing every time a mother died in the doctor's clinic, in the maternity ward, a priest would walk through that maternity ward where all the mothers who were getting ready to have babies, and he would walk through with some incense and ringing a bell, letting everybody know that somebody had just died. Not like real reassuring there, is it? And, uh, and so he thought to himself, well, maybe what's happening is it's causing fear and anxiety in these mothers and they're contracting this childbed fever uh, from, from just, you know, almost placebo effect of like, oh, other people are dying, I'm going to die as well. And, and so they changed the route of the priest and, and that had no impact whatsoever. And then as he was just getting frustrated, he's like, man, what are the differences that are happening between these two clinics? And he realized in the midwife clinic, all they were doing was helping mothers give birth to children. Like they had no other tasks or responsibilities. And every time that they were going to give birth, they would clean up and get ready for that birth. But in the doctor's aspect, what he realized was happening is, is every time one of these mothers would die, is the doctors would actually go and do the autopsies on these mothers that had passed. And right after they finished the autopsies, they'd go right back into these birthing rooms and, get, and, and help a mother give birth to a child. And he thought, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe that's the difference. And, and he came up with this, this, this brilliant thought. He's like, what if the, they're actually taking this fever or this thing that's happening from these dead bodies and giving it to the moms as they're giving birth, as they're, they're receiving these babies. And he, he had this brilliant idea at the time that nobody had ever thought of. He said, what if 
we have the doctors wash their hands and wash their instruments and then because we don't want the instruments to smell and their hands to smell like death what if they dip it in a chlorine solution and then go give birth and as they did that death rate totally stopped at that level in fact the doctors became exceptionally great at helping mothers give birth all because this guy came up with this super simple solution to a problem that nobody even knew existed which is why today you all are like consuming purell at an exceptional rate because this guy learned a very very important lesson something that seems seemingly so insignificant washing your hands disinfecting the instruments because they came to find out that that chlorine solution is one of the greatest disinfectants that's out there had life or death consequences now i want to transition that as we begin this series called trash talk that you know when we're talking about the power of our words we understand that our words might be important they might have some significance but a matter of life and death come on like are they really really that important in life and this is what the bible says in proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 it says the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit and this isn't just hyperbole about the words that we speak but what we'll discover over the next couple of weeks is that this passage is way more literal and way more important than we realize the tongue has the power of life and death and a lot of us are underestimating the power of the words that we're speaking in life and the impact that they're making in our lives every single day in fact i don't know if you're aware of this or not but the average person speaks between 15 and 16,000 words a day now we understand that there are some women that are skewing that for some men, they're up at 25, 30,000. There's like a guy that says like two words a day. But the reality is, is if you were to look at those 15 to 16,000 words, they have the ability, 15 to 16,000 words equals about a 60-page book every day. And those words that you're speaking have a potential for huge significance in your life. And, and honestly, today, I just want to dive in uh, and talk to you about your words. But I, I think I would, I would be amiss if I didn't address where your words came from, though. And so today, I, I, I want to talk about our words, but I want to talk about it from the aspect of where does the source of our words, where do our words come from? And our words don't begin in our mouth. They begin in our minds. They begin in our thought process. In fact, the Bible would say it like this in Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Wait a second, I thought you just said it begins in your mind. But the Bible would submit to you that, that really everything begins at the source of who you are. And where your thinking comes from comes from your hearts. Your heart and your brain are connected. And whatever is in your heart is going to come up into your mind. And what's in your mind is going to come out of your mouth. 
And so we got to understand that the way that we think has profound impact on our life. In fact, I, I wrote it down like this, and it's not, sorry, you don't have notes this week. I was late on them, and so you have blank spaces. But if you take notes, it will make you more spiritual. I just promise you that. Uh, I wrote it down like this. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life right now, whether you realize it or not, is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Why your thoughts have significant power in your life. In fact, your thoughts will eventually become your words. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Your thoughts are moving, or your, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And I want to use my wife as an illustration. Uh, and, and I appreciate her being a great illustration for me today. Uh, because my wife loves Jesus, and then the second thing that she loves the most, most in this life is, can you guess what it is? It's me. No, it's not. It's not me. Uh, I wish it was me, but it's not. My wife has one love besides Jesus in this life that is definitely second in her life, and it, it really is. It's food. My wife loves food. You can look at her and you're like, it doesn't even look, look like she eats food. No, no, no. This girl eats food all the time. I don't, she has the gift of metabolism, which for the rest of us that don't, we can just go ahead and go, we hate you. You know, it's like, it's not fair. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to speak death to you. But, uh, and so here, here's the deal. She, she loves food. And she's thinking about food constantly. She's thinking about what her next meal is or what her current meal is or if there's a better meal that's out there. Like she's constantly thinking about it. And because her life is moving in the direction of her strongest thoughts, you know what her number one question to me is constantly? It's not like, hey, how is your day? How are you doing today? It's no, what do you want to eat tonight? Are you hungry? Like those are common questions in our household. And, and most of the time, I don't even care. But even if I do say, like, man, I'm really craving this, she'd be like, I don't care. I'm going to want you to eat this. Because she's already moving in that direction. She just wants me to get on her page. She's just trying to get me to move along her path. Why? Because your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Your life is always moving the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if you were to take a step back every once in a while and get some perspective, you would see how critical and how important your thoughts really are. Because we've all heard, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Why? Because our thoughts are important. If you think there's no way you could ever do that, you probably won't. If you think that you'll never be enough, you'll probably never be enough. If you're continually full of fear and anxiety and pressure, you're probably never going to take the risk. Why? Because... That's the perspective you have. But if you were to flip that perspective and you were to realize that you can do anything because Christ gives you strength. If you were to realize that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, you would realize that there are some different perspectives that are out there. And if we had the right perspective, all of a sudden we might start speaking the right words. Because no matter what happens, the thoughts that are going through our mind are eventually going to come out of our mouth. 
They're eventually going to make their way out of our mouth. And that's why what you think is so critical to your future and to your life. And listen, we're at a disadvantage because the world all around us is filling our life with thoughts continuously. All you have to do is turn on the news. What does the news uh, just thrive on? Fear. Worst case scenario. Like, they're never talking about the best case scenario, are they? You've never seen a news program. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent. It's always the worst thing, isn't it? Some of y'all are like, I've never watched the news. Good for you. Good for you. You're saving yourself some heartache. They try to get you to thrive on fear. Think about every sitcom that's on TV. If you want to have healthy relationships, you know what sitcoms will tell you? Constantly, they're bombarding you with. you got to be cynical. you got to be condescending. You gotta be, you gotta tear other people down. And we wonder why we struggle in relationships. Because what we're filling our mind with, then we're repeating out of our mouth to other people. Then let's let's not even talk about advertising, because what is advertising telling us? You need bigger, you need better, you need newer, you need faster, you need more. And so even though you just got a brand new car two months ago, you're like, I feel like a loser. I need a newer car. And so easy to get focused on all the noise that is bombarding our mind. That's why Paul, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he wrote this. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. He said, don't copy the patterns of this world. Don't let society tell you how to live. There is a better way. He says, but let God transform you into a new person, which is good news for us because if we want to be different this year than what we've been different in the past, God actually wants to help you be different. He says, by changing the way you think. Now, I would think that if God wants me to be different, he would just change my circumstances, but that's not what he says. He says, God wants to change your life by changing what? The way you think. He wants to change your thought life. He says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I want to show you some patterns that I believe that we have bought into. And the enemy, if he can get you in a pattern in your thoughts, then he will begin to own your life. That's why we can't conform to the pattern of this world. That's why we can't live that way. But we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we'll know God's perfect, pleasing, and good will for us. And so if you're trying to actually find the will of God for your life, for your marriage, for your parenting, for your career, for your finances, and you haven't actually given God your mind, you'll never know his will. Some of y'all need to get that because you're like, God, I just want to know your will. And God's going, no, you need to know my ways. If you know my ways and you begin to abide in me, then you'll begin to know my will for your life. But you don't know my will without knowing my ways. Why? Why is that? Because God knows that our thoughts determine our words. And our words will eventually create our actions. And our actions will begin to form our habits. And our habits will create our character. And our character is going to determine our destiny. There is a pattern that is out there that works for both good and evil. 
And, and all of us are working that pattern, whether we realize that pattern is there or not. So we need to get a radical plan to shift and process how we think about things in life. And God has actually given us a solution to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And this is where we're going to hang out for the rest of today, is in this verse. There's going to be some, some verses to go with it, but this is what I want you to hear. It says this in 2 Corinthians, for though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And right here, Paul is giving us a very practical guide of how do we manage the, the thoughts that are coming into us and bombarding us on a daily basis. If you're taking notes today, which you should, number one, we are in a war for control of our thoughts. Like we're in a war for control of our thoughts. It says, that passage says, we are in the world, but we don't wage war as the world does. In other words, this implies that there is a battle that is going on, and it's not a battle like we see on TV with tanks and, and, and drones and all those things. It is a different battle that is happening in our lives. And, and so let me ask this question. Have any of you ever been in a fight and you didn't know you were in a fight, like a physical fight? Anybody ever been in a fight? They didn't know that they were in a fight? A couple of you. I'm not talking about like husbands and wives because we know that that happens all the time. You're in a fight that you didn't know you were in. You're, but if you're in a physical fight and you don't know that you're in a fight, you know what happens? You always lose. You'll lose that fight every single time. Let me explain it like this. When I was 18 years old, I was in high school, I was a senior, and one of my best friends, his name was Jacob, and uh, Jacob and I liked to, on a Friday night, go to this local club and go dancing, and Jacob was kind of one of those guys that was a player, but he was my best friend, so we hung out all the time. If you don't know what a player is, ask your parents, and, uh, and so, <laughs> just saying, uh, and so we were at this club one Friday night, and uh, Jacob was dancing with this girl that we knew went to a rival high school of ours and that she had a boyfriend. And she didn't just have any boyfriend. She had like a linebacker on the football team uh, as her boyfriend. Jacob was maybe 5'9", 5'10", 160 pounds, soaking wet, but he's my boy. And, and he's there, he's dancing with this girl. Her boyfriend is not there, but her boyfriend shows up. And he walks in, he's 6'2", 6'3", 220, 230 pounds. I mean, he's a big boy. And he sees Jacob dancing with his girlfriend, and he walks over, and he shoves Jacob. And he is getting ready to fight Jacob in this moment. And in this moment where he's about getting, like, he's got his hands up, like, he's ready to go. And he, Jacob looks over at me and gives me the international nod. Now, I am standing next to the boyfriend for what, he gives me the international nod. You guys have all seen it. You do it in the, the mall as you're walking by people. You want to acknowledge them, but you don't want to say anything. He does that to me, gives me the international nod of what's up. This guy is focused on Jacob. I'll pull back, and I'd clock this dude across his jaw knocked him out the only fight I've ever been in and I won you're like my pastor sucker punched somebody yes yes I did why because you need to have somebody in your life that will punch the enemy in the face for you I'm for real. It's one of the reasons why we put connect group books out on your, your chairs there because all of us need somebody in life that will punch the enemy 
for us in a fight that we don't even know that we're in. See, that dude didn't have any idea that when he was fighting Jacob, he was fighting TJ. He never saw it coming, and he never saw us afterwards because we left. (laughs) If you're watching online, sir, I apologize. I was 18. You didn't see me. You don't know who I am, but I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Confession. It's great for your soul, terrible for the reputation, right? But a lot of us, we're in a fight. And we think we're in fights with all these things, but we're in a fight with an enemy, and we don't have a clue. And we wonder why we're getting sucker punched over and over again, getting knocked out of this path that we think we want to go down. But we just keep getting knocked out, knocked out, knocked out. We don't know why. Because you're in a war, and the war is happening right here. Here's the amazing thing. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 says this, the final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Listen, our enemy has a strategy to fight us. Don't you think we should get some strategy? Don't you think we should have some awareness of life? It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, even though you think you're fighting against your neighbor or your coworker or your mother-in-law. That's not who you're battling with. Yes, they're annoying, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world. Man, we're not fighting people. We're fighting something way bigger than people. Against the mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, the, the, the enemy's plan, it, it's a spiritual battle that he's trying to, and he's trying to poison our mind because he knows that that's the easiest way to defeat us in life. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of the evil. Then after battle, you will still be standing firm. He says, listen, you're in a battle and you need to know you're in a battle. But here's the great news about the battle. God has given you every resource and everything you need to win that battle and you can win it. But most Christians, if I'm just honest, they don't even know they're in a battle. And the enemy, he's out there. And his number one tactic that he's used from the beginning of time is deception he used it in the garden of eden he's still using it now what did he say to eve did god really say what did he do he he got her thinking caused some confusion started to deceive her and lo and behold here we are dealing with sin today in fact jesus said the devil is a liar and he is the father of lies It's a major thing that he still does today. Listen, he doesn't have the power to destroy your life, so what he wants to do is he wants to give you the tools to destroy your own life. And because he can't destroy you, what he's trying to do is he's trying to distract you in life. He's constantly bombarding you with all these wild, irrational thoughts because he knows that if he can get in your thought life, that he will take you down a path that will eventually jack you up. So how do we begin to recognize these deceptive thoughts? we got to go back to that verse in 2 Corinthians. It says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, that word strongholds, if you were to look it up in the Greek, it literally means a prisoner who is locked in by deception. 
So if you have some strongholds in your life, in other words, you're being locked up by lies that you believe. So the first action against these lies is number two, we have to take every thought captive. Because the end of that verse says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. And when we get deceived, it's because we've dove in and bought into the devil's strategy and we are believing a lie. And here's what happens in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to see this because it's important. It says, the devil who rules this world has blinded the minds of those who believe, which is interesting. Because you would think if he's blinding you, the way he's blinding you is by what you see. But he's not blinding you in what you see, he's blinding you here. Because if you think wrong, then you see everything wrong. Right? If you've got a bad mind or thought on something, man, you will run wild with that. You'll see all the negative. You'll see all the, all the worldly kind of things. He says, they cannot see the light of the good news. The good news about the glory of Christ, who is exactly like God. And so you're like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help people see Jesus. But what they, don't, what they need is when they're full of lies, they don't need to see Jesus. They need to hear truth. Because the only way you overcome a lie... The only way you break down a lie is with truth. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we got to realize that there is a battle that is raging out there. And so if we're going to keep ourselves from falling into deception, we got to recognize that when a thought comes into our life, man, we've got to capture that thought. Because if you don't capture those thoughts, you know what they do? They start to run wild in your mind. Anybody ever had a wild, irrational thought every once in a while? And just let it go. Like every time I drive on 95, I have that happen to me. Anybody else with me? Anybody else have a wild, irrational thought uh, on 95? Okay, just a couple of us. I was driving on 95 the other day. I drive a truck. And uh, as I was driving down 95, I was in the fast lane. Which, by the way, that left lane, that's called the fast lane. If you're going to drive slow, don't get in that lane. If you drive slow, don't stay in the right lane. That's your lane. But somebody in a Prius thought that they were fast and they were slow and they cut me off. And immediately I responded with the throwing up of hands like, what are you doing? Anybody, anybody else do throwing up of hands? Some of y'all do some other hand gestures. Uh, not talking about those. And then, and then I had this thought. I was like, I'm in a truck. I could just ram them. And then I was like, I wonder if I rammed them, if they would start to spin out. And if I could cut across and kind of hit them again and get them to slide off the road. And then I'll pull over as they're off the road and I'll act like I'm going to help. But I'm going to grab them, rip them out of their window and pummel them on the side of the road. I'm going to get back in my truck and I'm going to leave. Some of you are like, my pastor has issues. But that's what happens when wild, irrational thoughts run wild. You know it's true. When you're at home and you're trying to print on that printer and it's not going fast enough or it's out of ink, what do you want to do? You want to rip that printer off the wall. You want to throw it down the ground and go, take that and just stop it and go, nobody will ever notice I did that. That's the enemy's goal. He just wants to start with a single thought. Nobody will ever love you. Nobody cares about you. You'll never amount to anything. And if you let those thoughts linger, and you start following those thoughts long enough, 
eventually you're going to end up on the news. Local pastor goes crazy on I-95, <laughs> knocks guy out, tries to kill him on the side of the road, drives off, but we caught that joker. <laughs> Create some problems in your life. So we have to be vigilant to capture every thought that's coming through our minds. Because there is a battle that is happening in our mind. And if we don't start to capture those thoughts, you know where those thoughts will end up? They'll end up coming right out of our mouth. And so what do we do when we capture those thoughts? Number three, we make every thought obedient to Christ. Why? Because we realize we're in a war and there's a battling that is happening in our minds. And so we've got to grab every single one of those thoughts and we've got to compare them and go, man, how do they line up against what God says? Yeah. Like, what, is, what does God say about this? And what is that thought that's coming in? Because here's the enemy's goal. He's going to fill your mind with trash. And we've got to fill our mind with truth. And we've got, we got to be able to decipher, is this trash or is this truth? In fact, there's a verse that we used last week, Philippians chapter 4, we use verses 6 and 7, but I want to I read through to verse 8 because I think it's important. It says, do not be anxious about anything. What is anxiousness? Man, it's all these wild, irrational thoughts kind of running wild in your mind. That's what causes all that jittery feeling inside of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I'm so afraid. He says, but in every situation... Just like it says, it says, take every thought captive. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Which is interesting. Why would Jesus guard our hearts and our minds? Because he knows that's where the enemy's attacking. So that's the goal for all of us. But here's the litmus test. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And here's, here's the problem today. We go, hey, whatever is true. And I hear this all the time, and, and I, I just want to talk about it because everybody today has, hey, this is my truth. Hey, this is my, my truth says this. The problem is, is when you have my truth, have you noticed that that line of my truth is always moving based on what you want it to look like right now? The problem with my truth is that there is no truth. It's just based on whatever you feel at the moment. See, there isn't my truth. There is only the truth. Some, and some of you need to get this because this is what's wrecking your life right now. You have this is my truth. And my truth is destroying you. Yeah. There is only the truth. Yes. And it's the word of God. Man, and it is, it is the barometer for everything. Yeah. It is the foundation for everything. And so when you go, well, I got to think on what is true. What does that mean? I got to go to what God says because this is the truth. Right. The truth brings freedom, not my truth. And a lot of us are getting deceived because the enemy is working overtime to tell you you're not good enough, that you'll never have a marriage like that, that you'll never be enough, that you can never overcome that addiction, that you'll never have enough money for this month. 
And if you, you just believe your truth, you, you'll end up like that. But, but if you go, you know what? No, no, no. My, my God says something different. My, my Bible tells me that I don't have a spirit of fear. I don't need to be afraid because God has given me a spirit of power and a love and a sound mind. Like, I don't have to be defeated in life because I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Like, my Bible tells me that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. In fact, in Psalms, it tells me that the God has set angels there so I won't even stub my toe. But most of us don't know that. This is the, I just got to say this, church, the reason we struggle so much in life is because we're illiterate to what God has said. And I love that you come to church and you listen to me. I can be persuasive and tell you a bunch of lies. Like, literally, to read through your Bible in one year. In fact, I, I would encourage every single one of you. Here's real practical. To fill your life with truth. Download version. It's an app. It's a Bible app on, the Bible, uh, on your iPhone or cellular device. And in seven minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in a year. Every day, seven minutes. There's, like, plans that will take you through. So you can have truth in your life because it's hard to combat lies if you don't know truth. And we've just got to make it a priority because I'm tired of seeing people lose because they bought into a lie that they let run wild because they thought it, was, it sounded good because the enemy's good at sounding good. When he was fighting with Jesus, when Jesus was fasting, he used scripture against Jesus. Like that dude is a deceiver. And if he can get us off, man, he will take us off. Church, we got to be vigilant about knowing God's word, understanding God's word, reading God's word, making it a priority in our life because it is that truth that is going to set us free from the deceptions and it's going to begin to change not only how we think, but it's going to begin to change what we say. Because when we know the truth, we're going to start speaking the truth. You know what the truth brings? It brings life. It brings freedom. It brings restoration. It brings change. It brings transformation. It brings good. And I don't know about you, but I, I want good. Not only do I want good, but I want great. I want God's will for my life. I want God's will for your life. So let's commit this year that, that man, we're going to begin to not allow there to not be a filter in our mind, but we're going to take captive every thought. We're going to realize that there is a war going on for our mind, and we're going to grab every thought, and we're going to begin to make it obedient to Christ. And here's the good news. You have Google. You can cheat on this. Just go, fear, what does God say? You'll get a whole bunch of verses. Depression, what does God say? Get a whole bunch of verses. Finances, what does God say? You'll get a whole bunch of verses. I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this is critical to your faith. Don't just make this ritual and routine. Make this your life. And it will change and transform your life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you're not a God that would leave us in a situation where we are going to live defeated, where we're going to live overcome by the wild, irrational thoughts in our mind. But God, you made a way where there was no way. You brought a deliverer. His name was Jesus to come to this earth to defeat the schemes of the enemy, the deception of him by going to the cross and dying. And in the middle of you being in the death and the grave for three days, you defeated the enemy, took the keys of death and grave back so that we could live and we could live more abundantly. 
And God, right now, I know people are struggling in their minds. I know they're struggling in their thoughts. And here's what I know is that, God, you've given us the ability to overcome. You've told us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. You've said that we can, we can live with a, with a clear and sound mind, that, God, you will give us everything we need for whatever situation. But if we don't know your truth, the truth can't free us. And I break every stronghold right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that the wild, irrational thoughts that have been running people's lives would be eradicated right now. I thank you that you, every man, woman, and child in here, when they know Jesus is covered by his blood, so their past doesn't have to continue to dictate their future, but it's been covered by what you have already done. God, my prayer is, is, is that they would grab hold of your truth. They would live with your truth. They would speak your truth. And your truth would bring freedom and 